Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour Podcast. In today's show, we chat with our good buddy and Major League Fishing Pro, Matt Lee. We talk about some of the differences between spotted bass and largemouth, a rental house full of mice, traveling the country in a camper, and much more. Also, a couple quick housekeeping items. I want to let you guys know that the apparel store is up and functional. We've got some sweet sweatshirts, t-shirts, and a lot more on the way. Go ahead and check that out. If you want to support the podcast, you can purchase those. Um, We appreciate it big time. And also on YouTube, we've got a pretty comprehensive video on Garmin LiveScope, how to set it up, how to use it when you're starting out with it. So check that out. It's on YouTube at the Angler's Happy Hour channel. Thank you guys and hope you enjoy the podcast. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. Sorry. Man, I wish I would have got that. I did. (laughs) I got it on Instagram. I'm just, it's from breathing yesterday riding my mountain bike dude i'm all choked up today so Mate, i'm gonna make you, i'm gonna make you self-conscious <laughs> you are i'll, I'll shut up <laughs> <laughs> dude one of one of these interviews like a while back and like it's it's it, it's only happened one time rob but you like couldn't get comfortable in your seat dude and you just kept like readjusting in your seat so uh, dude that's just me dude i'll make, dude, I'm I'm make you feel, i like, can't sit you, still it was so funny dude like i just I can't heard sit Rob's still. seat adjustment like 50 times <laughs> sorry <It's>, sorry <laughs> i'm making well, all self-conscious now yeah i could take the cake for that too because i'm actually uh too lazy to set up a folding table so i have a clear plastic storage tote underneath my laptop today that's what i that's about as far as i made it so Nice. nice. I'm on the table that I stole from Rob. This is still yours whenever you want to come pick it up, dude. I'm in Are no you hurry. using the red velvet blankie still? Oh, it's still here. Yeah. Speaking of self-conscious, you, you haven't said 100% in like three episodes, dude. And I've listened to so many, <laughs> so many different podcasts and everybody says 100%. I think it's hilarious. Like yeah, you need to bring it back. You need to bring it back. Oh, I'm sure I will. Just it'll slowly kind of drift back, even though I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to still, but all of America is sober because of you, Josh. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, welcome back, everybody. Here we are. Here we are recording again. Uh, We've got an awesome interview with Matt Lee coming up. We uh, had a a blast talking to him. But uh, before we swing it to the interview, we always kind of just go around the table and talk about our ridiculous lives so um nick uh, you go ahead and start this week now what, what's up with you yeah man let me just lead off with ridiculousness because that's uh that's why i'm here we uh we had a pretty normal garden variety week um the best thing that's interesting that happened to us is that pretty much everyone in my house at this point is now walking around um with red eyes looking like we got into rob's brownie stash uh pink eye has been surging no way. through the McMurray household. So it's like the quarantine that won't end. We, uh, we, we've all got like green pus and oh. donor looking eyes. Luckily the green of pus Of course is... this happens to you guys, dude. How did it, how did it start? Well, you know, I was licking the underside of stop. a railing stop. at the bus stop. And I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, these weird things. You guys have pink eye. Yeah. Nice. Oh, dude, we, dude, we've had pink eye a couple times too. I don't know. Maybe you have to do laundry more often than once a year. I don't know. It's weird how you would think that stuff would die on your pillowcase or something. But yeah, we've uh, we've been battling the old the old pink eye. So, Good Rob, time. have you guys ever had pink eye? Uh, I, not that I can recall. How about you? No, I don't think so. What is it like, dude, dude? Is it how rough is it, Nick? Well, I mean, on a scale of pneumonia strep throat rsv COVID 19 it's not even on the scale you know you just yeah my my poor infant he's the one that's been taking it on the chin and his face is just 
like because he rubs his eyes he doesn't know not to so sure. now the redness is just like he's got like red oh. raccoon eyes like oh. going down into his cheeks and it you know we went i took an urgent care yesterday and even like healthcare professionals kind of like look at you like is this your first kid I'm like no it's the third and they're like what are you doing paying you know a copay to bring someone in for pink eye like you know better than that so it, it's kind of sloughed off what it really is though is it's fertile grounds for shaming from the general public because it's fun to take your kids out with pink eye because then everyone thinks instantly that like you know it's fairly contagious so you're just kind of like spreading the love but spreading if i was love. afraid of some public shaming i wouldn't have made it 33 years on this planet i've i've endured plenty of that so <laughs> I'm sorry you guys are dealing with that, man. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of a one thing after another. That's just how it is with kids, though, man. I mean, oh. your kids are just gonna bring everything under the sun home, and that's just it's what happens, man. And it's funny. Normally, you'd be like, "Well, I have kids in school, right?" So, like, that's just like one giant petri dish when you have 1,100, you know, five to 12 year olds, but they're freaking homeschool. I think what it is, we've been hitting the park pretty hard. It's kind of the backfire of the whole kids don't get to go to school is that they all end up playing together at the park with no masks and zero social distancing. So who knows how much Rona has been circulating around there, but we're living the dream, man. Right on, right on. Well, uh, sounds good, Rob. What's happening with you, dude? Not a whole lot. Um, Typical week at my house, working on the house. Um, Went on a long mountain bike ride yesterday. That was nice. It's uh, I'm definitely going to have to get back to doing more of that just because it was uh, it was a struggle, but uh, it was good. It was fun. Are you, are you sore today? I know you said no. you went 22 miles. Yeah, you don't get. I don't get terrible sore. I just hydration. You got to work on that and get uh, make sure you get hydrated again and that type of stuff. So. But yeah, it's, that's about it. So prior to recording, we we're talking about how in the future, it's going to be tough to cash a check unless your last name is Bertrand or, and I'm talking about kids. I'm talking like in 20 years from now or whatever. And we're talking about all the pros that have kids that are fishing and it's kind of like NASCAR. I mean, think yeah, about NASCAR, like, pass like the torch. Yeah. You just pass the torch and it's, um, I mean, do you guys agree with that? Well, so yeah, and that started with we were talking about hockey, and uh, yes. we we're talking about Shane Doan, and Rob says, "Hey, well, what do you know? His son plays. Just found out that his son plays, and like, yeah, imagine that. Yeah, you know, it's just right. Yeah, it, it does make sense, and and obviously, like, where I can't even. I was about to talk about it too. Like, I can't even get my daughter to fish. She'll come out on the boat and just chill all day. I can't even get her to pick up the rod. But, but like, she's uh, young still. Super yeah, young. for sure. But you look at, at the cases like. Just out of the the hundred dudes on the tour, eighty dudes on the tour that I fish, the amount of them that have teenage kids that are absolute hammers that have had some of the best teaching that you could have, and and also access to the equipment too, man. Like right. that's gonna be that's that's hard to compete with. Like yeah, my take on it is bass fishing such a young sport that you know not that long ago it probably wasn't that desirable for kids to go fish professionally right i mean well, sure it wasn't yeah. as lucrative it wasn't it wasn't as established of a as of a job right it was more yeah. like oh yeah i'm not going to do what dad did dad was gone all the time right true and he took money away from the kids to go bass fishing so now <laughs> that's, that's think nice. about it it's different <laughs> oh, dude now. you see it. yeah yeah for sure it's a completely different i mean you guys are established professionals that are making good livings doing what you're doing so it's something that's going to get passed on you know, um, just like NASCAR racing, I mean, Earnhardt, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have a, a, a foot in the door, it helps your, your offspring get into. So kind of interesting. True. That's an interesting take. So Emma and Parker, when you hear this in a few years and you're actually old enough and care about your dad, listen to his podcast, just know the expectations are very high for you. So don't let dad down. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Thankfully they're not old enough to listen, man. Um, <laughs> That yeah brings me to my point too. Yeah, we, we went up to the lake yesterday. My wife, uh, uh, myself, and, and Emma. We took Emma. We brought uh, our son over to my parents so they could have a little one on one time. And uh, we got some one on one time with Emma. And uh, had a, had a, uh, just an awesome afternoon, man. We we uh, went up to Roosevelt and the fishing was fair. But yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like it's it's interesting with her. She she's four and she she loves to come out. Like I've taken her now probably six or seven times this year. She wants to go, and that's great. So I'm I'm thrilled to take her, but uh, she she's I'm 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 struggling to get her to just 
do the actual act of fishing. Like she'll sit there and go through every snack and point everything out and, and she'll, you know, drive the boat, does everything. But when it comes time to pick up the rod and fish, it ain't happening. Do you guys have any tips on what I can do to, to make this happen? My take on it is just keep taking her out. Eventually she'll do it. I mean, it's right not, just as long as she's having a good time in the boat. And I mean, does she allow you to fish? I mean, are you? Oh yeah. She, yeah. she she's all about so, it, dude. Yeah. So I it's, mean, it, it'll all come around in time. Um, and if it doesn't, maybe she'll just enjoy hanging out in the boat with you. You know what I mean? It's, it, yeah, it is cool what too. it is. Yep. You know? yep. That's my take on it. I usually go with brute force and Oreo rations. If they don't fish, first strike is they don't get any more Oreos. And then if they continue, then it's just brute force. If they don't fish? Yeah, correct. Uh, there you go. Yep. That's why I'm, I'm bringing up such a stock of just incredible Zebco 33 snipers. My kids are just, they can cast a push button rod like four feet. They're amazing. Every day, dude, when they're doing their homeschool, their, their uh, PE is casting practice in You're the backyard. Right. Yep, that's right. With a coffee can. <laughs> you miss it again, you're not getting dinner. That's right. Well, you start with the Oreos, and then, yeah, then you work up to dinner. That's right. Uh, well, yeah, but that's Will really she all... reel them in, dude? Like, will you hook one? Will she reel it in? Uh, once in a while. But yesterday, yeah, you shouldn't even want to do that yesterday, dude. Yeah. She was uh, – what was funny was my wife – we were on a, a school of fish uh, drop shotting and throwing a jig and a Carolina rig. And uh, my wife was just like, she just, the fish were biting a little bit funny. And my wife was missing four or five for everyone she'd catch. And she was getting visible and they were deep. These fish were in like 35 feet. So like she would hook one and just like have it on for three seconds. It would come off and it just kept happening over and over. So the frustration was building and Emma is just back there watching this all go down and I'm just catching one after another, like a jerk, dude, just boom, 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 boom. I've got 10 dude. And she's got, and she's, she finally gets her first one. And, and, and uh, I'm just stroking them, dude. And I've I got her hook exposed and stuff and like just trying to make it to where, you know, got the worm bitten down to where it's short and uh, she misses. I, I set the hook on another one and Emma goes, dad, Stop! <laughs> Let mom catch one. <laughs> that was what it was like. Okay, yeah, maybe I need to give a little more attention uh, over here. And <laughs> for some reason, that reminds me of a story. We were up fishing Silver Creek by Sholo, fly fishing, uh -huh. and Boyd was like, God, he had to be like, I don't know, maybe fourteen years old. I remember that trip, dude. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that's right when yeah. I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. So we went up there and we went and we fished like the trophy waters where they have the big brood stock, whatever those giant rainbows. And I think there might be some brown. Anyhow, they're giant trout. And we had this little area completely to ourselves because it was in the middle of the week and it was Tracy, Boyd, and I. And <laughs> Boyd and I are absolutely slamming them on streamers. Nice. And Tracy is in this pool up above. And she's just struggling, like couldn't get a bite, couldn't get a fish in. And Boyd goes up there to make a cast in her pool and she lights him up. Oh, like, really? Get out of my That's hair. Hilarious, yeah. dude. Yes. She's so pissed, like that we were catching him and she was. It was just building up. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Anyhow, later that day, she ended up catching an absolute slob of a trout. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> and the entire time she's pulling this fish in, she's like, we got to get it in. We got to get it in. I need a photo. I need a photo. It was all about the photo, dude. It was hilarious. Dude, and so. Instagram wasn't that much eight years ago, but she already knew she was a trendsetter she was ready i think it was she was setting up for Facebook. myspace or myspace there you go yeah there you go. dude that is funny yeah. she's pretty competitive then huh yes and no that's what's weird like it just it came out of nowhere so on that boy, day yeah boy now I always give her a hard time about it so that's funny fishing will bring out the best in people that's for sure dude Dude, my, uh, one of my good real estate friends uh, and his son went fishing with Josh this week, Rob, and uh, I, had, I had been like peppering them with just like trying to amplify their expectations to where like if they caught something short of 100 fish, they were going to be disappointed. Appreciate oh, I, I Way to go. Totally Way to go. I was like, dude, That's look brutal. him up on Instagram. Like he is like the number one. Like you're just, you can't even believe it. 
And then, you know, as if there's any surprise, freaking Josh delivers, man. They're texting me Thursday afternoon. Oh, it was the best day ever. Thank you so much. We both caught, you know, I think they, they're like, I, we couldn't count, but we both caught like 20 fish. And That's awesome. he's got a 12 year old. And so he's like, he's on tackle warehouse right now. Like, look at stuff. <laughs> Sweet. He's start buying stuff. Oh, you nailed it. Like That's they had good. a great time, but I kind of secretly was hoping that I could be like, yeah, and they, I don't know, Josh, like, he couldn't back the truck down and then he lost his temper right away. And he just, I don't know. He just ate a bunch <laughs> That's of That's a normal day. They must. Yeah. We all got lucky. We all got He's very taking lucky, personal apparently. phone calls while we're on the water. <laughs> <laughs> it were but awesome, that didn't dude. Happen. It couldn't have been cooler, cooler folks to, uh, to go with, man. It was, it was great. So yeah, nice. thank you for uh, setting that up. And yeah, his son, I, you can just see it. Like Nick had mentioned, like his son's 12 and he's like, you know, he hasn't fished a ton, but he's got, the he's got the desire and the interest that not every kid has and you can see it in him man a hundred percent so he's gonna be a fisherman yeah it's pretty cool he uh he's he's part of a group of friends that i have that uh so marshall you guys both know my buddy marshall marshall has one of those like outrageous obnoxious like 26 foot surf boats and it's painted lime green and you know it's just like the party depot of course of course, and Marshall so, has that. <laughs> matches his personality, right? And so, and so he invited Brent and his son Jack. And you know, Brent's like, "Hey, man, like we should go. It'll be fun. We haven't been to the lake in a long time. And like, well, let's just do it, man. Like, let's go." And Jack was like, "Can you fish off that boat?" And he's like, I, "I don't know. I maybe." So he asked Marshall. I was like, "Yeah, not really." So then Jack's like, "I don't want to go." <laughs> he turned it really down, straight my up. Turned kid. Down, that's cool. That's my. Know, that's what he told right me. There. That I was like, that's "Heck yeah." Up. That's solid. That's Rob, awesome. also go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, Nick really started this just pumping each other's tires here though. But like they, they were re- referencing all the times that Nick, Nick had taken them out and gotten them hooked and, and, and bitten with, by the bass bugs. So I think you're a Very big cool. part of why they're, uh, they enjoy it so much, dude. Well, it was back in the good old days at Sawara where any fool could catch them. I think I had a couple of legendary days during the spawn at Sawara with them where like you could just pick a bank, throw a white drop shot and catch like 20 pounds solid waypoints yeah right yeah yeah. amazing when you buy a graph from somebody that has some waypoints how much you can excel but that explains a lot though dude like hey we were catching crazy numbers but like like uh i didn't know how much they had fished before so like we'd catch like a two pounder and like typically people that don't fish like they catch their first two pounder and they're like ready for a picture right yeah i was like hey brent dude hey good job man you want a picture he's like nah i'm good (laughs) <laughs> never touched one of them all day dude because and now it makes sense that he'd been catching the toads at saguaro with you but like they were impressed by the numbers but the the size was definitely not blowing uh his mind that's for dude, sure makes sense. saguaro and canyon seven years ago just ruined anyone and everyone they absolutely like, will just, yeah like turn your nose up at a three pounder <laughs> but rob so josh is texting me and he's like hey man like you know, I talked to him. This is the day before. And he's like, I told him about the burger house, like in the burritos. This is going to be so great. And I just shook my head. I was like, my friend's a vegan. So he can't Seriously? get down. I Nick was lying to me. I'm like, no way, dude. Vegans can eat beans. But dude, bean and a, cheese. A, a Tony special is everything that's good in the food world, right? Bacon, yeah. green chili, eggs. <laughs> like, if you're a vegan, you might as well just like pack some lettuce. Like, it's a sad sad wipe out <laughs> it was funny he just like he had just liked the text when i sent him like i sent him like three texts telling him about how amazing it was and like he was normally pretty responsive with other stuff but on that one he i just got the thumbs up i was like <laughs> interesting but now it makes sense hilarious <laughs> too polite to be like i don't eat that nasty stuff yeah yeah uh well hey cool uh I, like i said i think we've got a great interview with matt um anything else you guys want to add before we swing it over Get to the meat and potatoes. Great. Great. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoy. This is Matt Lee. Jordan, just get – use this tax write-off or something, man. Just get you a nice computer, you know. like He doesn't <laughs> even think like that. He didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great excuse to not have one, but I think Jordan can probably afford a computer, yeah. dude. And it probably yeah, would be a good it. thing to have for his business. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know his <laughs> – uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> he's made it this far without one. He probably doesn't need it. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> are you a uh, Matt guy, uh, Matt? Or are you on a uh, on something else? I'm a Matt guy. I, I I've uh, 
made the switch back into college years and I had a laptop until, I mean, I had a MacBook until from college until like two, a year ago. And then my mother-in-law, she got a new MacBook Pro and I was like, you're going to love it. And she was just, did not jive with it. And hmm. so she gave me a deal on buying it from her so she could get her a deal. So, but I'm an Apple guy. It's yeah. Uh, I, it all links together, calendars, all that. Um, we just got the Apple TV about a year ago, used it in the camper a bunch. And I don't know if any of you have gone the Apple TV route, but it's pretty legit too. I mean, we, you can't escape the ecosystem, man. Once you get one Apple device for a while, like you said, everything sinks, you'll never leave. No, no, no. And I, I had buddies, you know, they try to go the Android phone route and you have to switch over. Once you, I mean, you, it's like you get sucked in. If you know anything about technology or you are a phone guy at all, you try to go the Android route. It's like I had buddies and they finally made the switch. They couldn't, you know, it's just yeah. a matter of time. I finally broke down. It's funny you said you have an ancient laptop. The one that I use on the podcast, it's pretty funny. The profile pic is from my wife and I literally first met in like, two, I think this is maybe a 2008 or at least a 2009 at the newest. This thing is. That's impressive that it's still going, dude. It's about yeah. ready for the Smithsonian. They, they keep asking for it and I, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, Every time that you have to do a software update, I hold my breath because that's usually the kiss of death when you have to put like a new operating system on it. It's like, yeah, probably not coming back. Yeah. Mine was like an 11 MacBook and like doing videos and stuff. It was, it was a no go. Yeah. Like you're not doing Final Cut Pro on an 11 model MacBook. You're not doing it. So no, it can Skype. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, hey, Matt, thanks for coming on uh, so early, dude. I'm glad to see you've got your coffee and yeah. uh, glad to hear you've already been up and about. But, uh, like, what are you up to this winter, man? What uh, what are you doing this week? Gosh. Um, so, been up to a lot. I fish a lot around the house, Smith Lake, Wildcats. Doing a lot of the business side of fishing, trying to make a proposal, make a sponsor deck, send it out to people that I think that, uh, to me, like the off season is just as important as – during the season when you're fishing it's a whole different aspect for us but it's just as important because if you don't go around and find new sponsor potential sponsors or new deals uh you know that's what makes you know i, I catch fish win money in tournaments and that's a source of income but also the sponsor side of things is as important, if not more important for us or for me, definitely. So spending a lot of time doing that. And then I fished a team tournament down on Lay Lake, uh, uh, ABT 100. It's a new, bigger team trail in Alabama. And How'd it go? blew a powerhead on my motor in practice. I haven't blown a powerhead in, <laughs> I mean, since I had the old 06 NASCAR Z20 with the thousand mile, you know, hours on it <laughs> and I blew a power head. And so now I'm a boatless. I got an aluminum boat, but how um, did that happen, you know. dude? We've, what did you start it up and run across the lake when it was 13 degrees or something? No, that's what everybody <laughs> I'd been fishing for like three or four hours. And, uh, I was running down the lake and it was doing 65, 64, 61, 60. And I was <laughs> like, that's weird. I like maybe I slung an ear or something. And then I started hearing a little knocking noise. And I turn around and I cruising back towards the ramp. I was only about a mile away. And, uh, you know, sometimes with certain stuff with an engine, like if you let out of it all the way, you might not be able to get it's it back over. on. Oh, that. yeah, dude. You just <laughs> got to stay on it. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to, like, stay on it like full bore stay on it. So I was doing the, like, 25, 30 miles an hour just trying, and it was knocking a little bit. And all of a sudden it knocked real loud, and oil and gas started coming out of the top of the lower unit. And I was like what in the world didn't hit anything been fishing like four hours that day i don't know and the the guy at airport marine said he could pull the rod right out of the the engine block <laughs> oh nice he made disassembly, like, disassembly easier yeah i'm like great and and it's <laughs> I, I don't know i told him i was like man i changed the oil in it three times uh this past year you know using it and he he was like man it's pretty much just bad luck and i'm like well that's perfect but 
at least when I go to sell it, it'll have a brand new power head on there. <laughs> Nobody wants it, but that's almost a new motor at that point. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Way to find the silver lining. So that's been the recent update that happened about a week ago. So did you end up fishing the event still or no? Yeah. I fished out of my buddy's boat. He has, he got a brand new Phoenix and, uh, it was just, it was tough because he doesn't fish nearly as much as I do. And like, he didn't have like, for instance, it's like this last day of practice, it's sleet raining and I'm changing jerk baits and I ask him where his treble hooks box is. And he's like, I don't bring a treble hook box. That's not something I do during the course of the day is like change treble hooks. And I'm like, you man. So then I'm like trying to find some split ring pliers at work and it's sleeting rain, 40 degrees to change trebles off of another jerk bait to put them on a jerk bait. And we, we ended up finishing, I think 25th out of hundred guys, but uh, I, we just didn't have a big buy. We caught one good one, but you have to have three, you know, you catch five good ones. You got a chance to win. It's one of those deals at Lay Lake where, it's all about a big bite and the fishing has been pretty tough since COVID and all that. It's gotten. Because everyone's on the lake. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. It's made that yeah. big of a difference in the fishing. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of lakes in Alabama that have gotten, I know I've heard Aaron Martin's talk about Logan Martin and when he's been home fishing Logan Martin, how much tougher it is to get a bite now. That's crazy. Like throughout the fall than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, that, Smith that Lake makes those lakes that a lot of people avoided, and it, we still it's not had that much pressure. But Tennessee River, Coosa River lakes, it's it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. Is Smith it, like so? So uh, for the folks listening, Matt, you basically were at Gunnersville, and now you're at Smith Lake. Is it yes. the breath of fresh air to be at Smith after fishing probably the busiest bass fishing lake in the in the country? It. It is. It, it's something different. It's, it's totally different. They're an hour away. Gunnersville's average depth is about, I don't even know, 20 feet for the whole lake. And at Smith, it might be closer to 100. And uh, for those that don't know, Smith Lake's probably 10-foot visibility in some places. And Gunnersville is, you hardly ever make a cast deeper than 12 unless you're in the summertime and 12 feet of water. So totally different. And at Gunnersville, the boat ramp will be half full on a Tuesday afternoon. Where at Smith on a Friday, you might only see one or two boats on the lake. That's sweet. Basketball. Yeah. And it's, it is sweet. It's a breath of fresh air. It's, you're not going to go out and catch five pounders, but it's been taking 16 to 20 pounds of spotted bass to win for the last few months in a Saturday Wildcat. So it's still really – really good fishing um and it is and they let you fish all the tournaments there at smith they welcome you they, they, i mean they don't care to take your money where at gunnersville <laughs> the 30 dollar wildcat they don't want you fishing it and so it's you know that got kind of old when i was home to not be able to fish the tournaments but yeah i hear you man yeah it's a whole nother thing that uh, is smith on the coosa river are those coosa river spots or what are they no it's uh Smith is a is the start of several creeks that run in, and they make um, they go down in Mulberry River, two different rivers that run off into the Tom Bigby Waterway. So you have the Tennessee River goes pretty much east and west through Alabama, and then you have Smith that drains kind of to the southwest uh, down through Tuscaloosa and some smaller lakes, and then the Coosa River comes comes in. I don't know, this is probably backwards on the screen, I don't know, but it the Coos River comes in the northeast corner near the Tennessee River and runs all the way down through Montgomery. So it's not okay. it's not a Coosa River lake, but um but when you get below Smith, it's a lot of similar spots though. It's a lot of current and like river system going down through Tuscaloosa and and uh, a lot of those lakes have some big spots that are small little river systems probably the same kind of spots yeah so like uh the, when you say the same kind of spots dude like there are different strains of spotted bass like largemouth right yeah and it's it's weird because uh everybody always talks about that a lot of the smith uh california lakes the smith lake trans 
planted spotted bass or taken from Smith and taken and putting into some of those, I don't know if it was Castaic or. It would be a little further up north, but. Yeah, probably Shasta, Oroville, those lakes. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's weird to to think about that. But uh, the Coosa River spots, I think in just how they set up in current, they're more current oriented. You're talking about real narrow lakes that their current's constantly a factor. Where on Smith Lake, you might have a little residual like current coming down, but it's not a current. They get out on points and feed, but it's not because of current. They're not a, you know, it's it's more like a Lake Lanier. Like, you know, you watch shows on Lake Lanier where people are out in open water fishing brush piles where that's what Smith Lake sets up as where on the Coosa river, a lot of times, if you're not throwing at the concrete, you know, below a dam, that's where the biggest spots live in the whole river system. Interesting. Yeah. uh, They don't live a suspended life. No, no. They live up there where you can't even get a boat and it's just rushing water. That's where the big ones live. That's cool. So like, let's talk. When you had an Alabama River tournament back, I wasn't even fishing the leaks then, but when they ran up to the Wetumpka Dam. Uh-huh, yep. You know, and they had the videos how sketchy it was. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. you remember Jared Miller? You guys remember yes. Jared Miller? Yes. Like a bowling ball just bouncing <laughs> off of it. His, yeah. his, his marshal was a, was a small woman, dude, and she was literally flying around that boat, dude. She was all over that boat. That's where, some, that's where the big ones usually live, right there where you can't even – get a flat bottom and so they got to fight like hell though if they live in that heavy a current and they're a mean species of bass to begin with that's got to be one of the funnest ones to catch man yeah oh yeah it, it is uh i've always wanted to have like they do a lot of those jet boats where they have inboard motors on the flat bottoms and run way up and they can jump rocks Otto defoe does it you know he's always got a setup boat for that but it that would be fun yeah it's probably a pretty good time there's there oh, yeah. a strong fish. Dude, could you talk about like take, taking it back to like Smith and your typical spotted bass lake? Can you talk about like just tendencies that spotted bass have that are different than largemouth? Because it's kind of interesting, man. Like at times you'll catch them doing the same thing, right? Of course, you can catch them on the same baits and, and they use a lot of times the same areas, but spots can act completely different than largemouth, man, when it comes to how they react to weather how they position, uh, like what are some of the main differences you you see, man? Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how at Gunnersville they get like a largemouth at Gunnersville, it can't get conditioned to baits. And there's, you know, it's like you, the A-Rig came out and everybody thought, oh, Gunnersville, it's really tough. There's not any fish left. There's been a fish kill. A-Rig comes out and they're blasting them. Um, so they get conditioned to baits and get smart, but I, to me, spotted bass are a different level of of smart. They smarter, smarter. Like ah. they just they just know. And, and I learned so much from guys like Cody Meyer and Justin Lucas that have been around here, how to fish for them, and the open water and how much they roam, how much they change with weather, like it. You could – that's one thing I really have struggled this fall with was fishing when it was cloudy and rainy and how much different they are. They don't hold a structure. And by structure, I mean you can be fishing a point in 30 feet of water, but in Smith Lake they're standing timber anywhere deeper than 30 feet. So they'll be in the middle of the lake and there'll be trees that are 120 feet tall. And, and a lot of times with down scan or with live scope now you can see it is you'll pan out into the abyss, meaning over 100 feet of water, and there's a treetop that's in 30 feet, 40 feet. And and the fish will use it as cover. And, you know, with any little bit of weather change, they they change how they set up. I mean, they, on on the Tennessee River, if you go to a ledge in the summertime, and it's a major creek mouth, there is 100, 150 bass set up on the tip of that, you know that creek mouth where it meets the main lake yep those fish might set up better with more current less but they're going to be there tomorrow morning the next morning the next morning 
where spotted bass, you could go smoke them on a point this afternoon on a top water and go tomorrow. And the only difference be that it's a little bit cloudy and they're nowhere, <laughs> they're nowhere around. You don't know where they went. And it, it is, it's sneaky, but it's intriguing too, because it's, that's one thing about Gunnersville is if you go fish it in June and you're used to fishing it, I can tell you 10 places they're going to be at this upcoming June where you're going to catch them. And because of the current. And, because and of the, the current and, and the way the, the structure lays. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're community holes, like everybody sure. says. But community holes win a lot of times because that's where the bass want to be because that's how the river sets up. That's where the current hits this one little – you know, kick out point the best, and that's where they're going to get. But at Smith, it's so intriguing because there's so many. It's just, it's a whole new level. I mean, and you see a lot with with you learn a lot from Japanese anglers and California, Arizona guys out west about how to target these fish that roam in the abyss, and it's a whole different deal. And I think that's why a lot of guys from this area stay away from Smith Lake that aren't used to it because they don't even know where to start. You get out there, uh, you know, over 120 feet of water, and you're fishing for suspended bass. That's that's intimidating for an angler, dude. That that really is. It, it is. It, and it's, yeah, it takes a lot of time to figure out, because you can go to Gunnersville and just throw lipless crankbait all day and jerk it out of grass, and, and something will bite. But here, you got to you can't just go throw a spook all day and just think you're going to waylay them. Like it's, sure. it's, it can be very particular. So, but, but they still catch them big. So it is fun still too, when you figure them out, you know, and you're in that high teens spotted bass, that's, it's a lot of fun. Does, oh yeah. Does Smith have largemouth in it? It does. And yeah, how does. do they act? Obviously they act different, but I mean, they're, do they act like the spots at all or are they more shallow yeah, it, and it's weird that back in the swindle days when he was growing up and you catch him on a double willow leaf on a lay down with a grub chartreuse grub on it he always tells stories rob was rob was going down the same bank doing the same yeah. thing dude yeah. swindle cut rob <laughs> off that's why swindle yeah. is where he is yeah he got all those old and those fish still live up the creeks in dirty water but you start this past fall when they're chasing bluebacks, which is a big thing now in Smith that you didn't have, you know, several yeah. years ago. You catch a lot of largemouth, like, out over, under a dock, over 120 feet of water on the main lake. And it's, it's strange because there is, there is still your largemouth that you're going to catch on a square bill and some stained water up, up the lake. But there is a lot of largemouth that get out there and roam and chase those herring just like the spotted bass do. But that That's the herring factor, huh? It is. They it just is. change and the way they behave. The bass up different. You know, like spots will hang out a lot of times on a, on a bluff, maybe off the bank, like a steep drop where they can just get on an edge where you catch largemouths a lot of times around a dock. And they'll be in like a wolf pack. Like you, you throw a big – pencil popper up by a dock and catch a largemouth they'll be three with it and maybe they'll be there the next day maybe they won't but they're out there in the mid pretty interesting man hmm. um that's some that's some cool info on just uh, on the spots in general let's uh we, we've actually gotten relatively serious on the fishing front man let's take it back to uh some sillier stuff here but um, I, I know you get asked about your college fishing all the time, bro. Like, you know, that you're, you were kind of the first dude that really like made a big professional career out of one of the first dudes out of college fishing, right? Um, you went to Auburn and, uh, won the national championship, fished the classic the year coming out of that. Um, dude, how much more fun was like traveling? I know it's, you're having a blast now traveling in a camper with your wife, dude. Like that's, you guys have a pretty sick life, but like, how, how, yeah, how awesome was it, dude, being a college kid, like, traveling around the country fishing, dude? Yeah, quick story on me was I got out of high school and everybody went to Auburn or Alabama in Alabama, and I was like, I want to do something different. College fishing was – this was 2007. It was just, like, just starting out. I played baseball in high school. I wasn't going to do that in college. I, I went to Birmingham Southern, tried to start a fishing team. 
my brother's two years younger. So in 09, Auburn fishing was making a splash. Birmingham Southern fishing was not. And I figured out there was a dual degree program where I could go to Auburn and get a degree from both schools and live with my brother, be on an already established team there at Auburn and compete and really have a chance, you know, be on a, with a bunch of guys that are really good fishermen. So in, a, oh, in 2010, I moved to Auburn and to finish my degree and live with my brother and be on the team. And really it was like, I told you, it's like your own little fraternity, like college has fraternities that you're in. Like at Auburn, it was like your own little fraternity of guys that just bass fish. Like you go to class and hang out and you go and you go to fishing tournaments. And we fish like the club qualifiers we used to have. We'd have probably 30 people on the team, probably 12 or so had boats. Um, probably 10 guys were super big into fishing and really cared about it. And we would go out and fish like four or five club qualifiers in the fall on random lakes on a Saturday and decide our ranking. So your finishes in those club qualifiers, if you had a tournament where you can only take two dudes, it was go based on your ranking, get first choice. But it was like out for blood. Like you go up against your buddies on a Saturday in these qualifiers, nobody even knows that you're even having these tournaments, you know, <laughs> except for the people on the team. But when you go out against Chris Seal, Shane Powell, Daniel Holland, we it was out like it was it was like as intense as it gets, but it was so fun because it's just like having a little jackpot tournament against all your buddies. It's like all of y'all going against each other, all your you know, like every Saturday, like it's like there's a million dollars on the line, but there's actually no winnings, but you're just <laughs> Yeah, there was there were so many guys that were good fishermen that it made it really fun too. Like they did different things. You know, one guy would be a huge guy that would throw a swim jig everywhere he goes and he would beat you even if you threw a swim jig. And then another guy that would fish offshore a lot and look for stuff out there. And Jacob Fine, he would go and he'd fish out of a he had a flat bottom boat and a lot of us had fiberglass and he would still beat us. And it, that was that was awesome. And traveling around fishing the other tournaments against other schools, there's a lot of rivalries against Auburn, Alabama in Alabama, but a lot of our best friends fished at Alabama. Um, like that team tournament I just fished last week at, at Lay where the, uh, my powerhead went out, the two guys that won it, Logan Johnson and um, uh, Jeremy Christian, they fished at Alabama when we were there. No like, kidding. If you just look at that team tournament. There was like Clint Davis fished at Montevallo when I was in college. And the same, Stockton. that was a heck of a class, dude, a fisherman. Yeah. And then, like, even like Lucas, he wasn't in school, but he was broadcasting the FLW National Guard College Series. So, and he ended up marrying a girl that went to Auburn while we were all at Auburn. So he was around Auburn a lot. Like, it was. It was so weird. And then now you still see those guys when you go fish a team tournament and they're, they're beating you. I mean, there was, there's so many fishermen at that, that stage in the game. Like I, to win my college bracket, I had to beat Dustin Connell, who I now fish against Zach Burge, who I now fish against and Jordan, who I now fit, you know, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Against. And like, there was just, like it was, it's just nuts the amount of, you know, guys that are still fishing now that were fishing then. That's sick. Well, I, I I can't remember if it was on this on our podcast that we were talking about it last week or a couple of weeks ago. But like, so you're talking about all these studs, dude, that came from that era, and now they're like making a huge splash in professional fishing. Like that's still going on now. Like all these dudes are fishing right now in the college in the college circuit and, and all these guys are in the high school circuit and it's going to be 10 years from now, it's going to be the same story over and over again, man, probably even, even more so now. I know it's, I don't even, you know, you don't know what's going to, cause you look at now, we always say it, but it's so true. Like me and you, when we were 15 years old, like what I knew when I was 15, I, I remember being in college and like going out and trying to do the whole drop shot, dropping on the graph thing and really figuring it out. And this is when I'm in college. So these kids are like 12, 12 14 years old <laughs> and they're out doing the, the drop shot thing on the graph. And I'm like, God, you know, they, yeah, they just, they're live. 
They're live scoping yeah. suspended bass out of a cane pile, dude. <laughs> and we were still trying to figure out how to see our drop shot on our 2D, man. <laughs> how to yeah. tie a pal yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now they're tying, like, you know, you got Chapman's uh, son. I saw the other day, he's tying an FG knot in a minute yeah. and 15 he's seconds. He's sick, dude. Something. He's sick. And I'm like, golly. They went up to my FG knot. Like, they fished. Uh, like a high school tournament up in lacrosse this summer. And uh, it was a little bit before we went. So I was looking at the bags and I saw they had like 12 pounds and uh, they were in like, I don't know, like third place after the first day out of a bunch of boats. I'm like, good for them. That's awesome. You know, but yeah, it looks like these high school kids just don't catch quite the same bags that the pros do still, you know, and then I found out it was a three fish limit. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Four pound average, not bad, dude. Wow. <laughs> oh, Sounds like the future is really bright for you guys. Enjoy your career in the next 10 years. Exactly. Yeah, better catch them while we can now, man. <laughs> uh, hey, Matt, speaking of Lucas, dude, he wanted me to ask you if there were any uh, mice in uh, his apartment after you moved in and he moved out in, in your apartment yeah, back, in the, uh, back in the day. Is this is at Gunnersville, I'm guessing. I guess, yeah. dude. So there's this one house we say when we get out of college at Auburn, we were going to live at Gunnersville. Well, uh, who was it? Was it, it was Miles Berghoff. Well, first off, it was Justin Lucas and Kevin Hawk, I think for three years lived in this house. And, um, and then once he moved out, it was Casey O'Donnell and Miles Berghoff lived in it, rented it for like two years. And then it was me and Jordan rented it for like two years. This one house in Gunnersville been passed around through all these guys. And it's like a rundown house, but it had a massive, like, it was like a almost three car garage you could back your boat into. So it had a place for me and that was the attraction. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. That's all you needed. Like who cares? But the house was literally like cabinets falling apart. It smelled uh, like power bait. I can't remember the guy's name that, uh, gosh, that owned it. He's from Arizona. And I, I you know, I don't know if oh. he'd be listening or not. Is he a fisherman? Yeah. He's a, he's out. I don't know about how much of a fisherman, but okay. God, what is his name? So he knows B Hot really well. We uh, need to know this name then. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> maybe we'll ask Brett if if you can't remember. Brett's Brett's too yeah, busy uh, sleeping in, uh, celebrating yeah, his big tournament one yesterday. Right now, but uh, God, what was his name? Um, this so he lives in Arizona full time. But he just owned that house over there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just owned the house a little bit. I wish I just I wish it wouldn't I could tell you. Hey Abby, do you remember the guy's name that owned that house in Gunnersville? <laughs> Fayborg. Fayborg. This is a little bit. I, do you know, I'll, Rob? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I don't think so, dude. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounds like he's well, a real estate mogul though, my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, he's a piece of work. Anyways, ask me how to <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not. We'll just end it there. Hilarious. But there was, was, there cool was some ice in this sucker, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty nasty. But, I mean, Lucas's version, I mean, I don't know. I could, Jordan and I can wing it in, in more places than Lucas. You know, Lucas freaks out out of certain stuff. And, he has high standards. Yeah, it's like he sees a little cobweb in this. I mean, you're just out of college renting a house at Gunnersville. Like, what do you think? You know, is it going to be pristine with glass windows? You know, it's, yeah, it's falling apart a little bit. But rent's like two fifty or two fifty three hundred a month for Jordan and I each at this house. So, <laughs> yeah, like, you can't be that. You're at the lake all the time. Everybody, who cares, dude? Yeah, everybody's got a family they're trying to support when you're fishing the leads, and it's just me and Jordan renting this little shack at Gunnersville starting out, and that really kind of helped us get started because we didn't have the expenses. Um, oh yeah. Then that a lot of people, you know, st starting out do. You try to minimize your expenses when you're starting out just to be able to survive. So that's huge, dude, because everyone, you know, these, these, uh, when you're at that level, 
if you have too many expenses, you're tied down and you're going to be tied down to probably having to work another job other than fishing yeah. and spend more time away from the water. So that is, man, absolutely freeing, freeing yourself up is a huge deal. Absolutely. The, the, you know, the way you can, you want to fish for a living, you got to get there, you got to qualify, but then you have to keep your income somehow more than your expenses. And your expenses are, you know, if you have entry fees, you're going to have, you know, at the top level, you're looking at 70, 80 plus thousand dollars. So somehow you got to get your income more than that. And you just, and you don't need to factor in tournament wins into your income like ahead of time. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to win the third <laughs> one. That's really going to get me over the edge, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't Let's mention like Jordan eating or Wheeler or something. Yeah. They need to factor it in. You know? Yeah, they can, they can count on one or two a year at least. Yeah, but Jordan's still uh, trying to get an upgraded computer, so he's yeah. hilarious, uh, uh, dude. So now you and Abby are are, are traveling in a fifth wheel. Well, you did last year. You planning on doing that again this year? I really, we sold our, we did oh, at the Harwell Classic in eighteen. We got a camper, and we did the camping thing for three years now, and I guess it's been four years. And we actually sold our house in Gunnersville and lived in it for two months before we even knew where we were going to move to at Smith. But we really enjoyed it. But now that we have a home here at Smith, I think next year we're not going to have a camper and just try to keep our expenses to a minimum. And just like it's camping is really cool when you go to a place and you're able to like stay in that area, fish several events, but you don't want to like drive from Alabama to New York to, camp one week at an event and then drive back to Alabama. Like it doesn't really make sense to take two rigs, a camper and a boat and put gas in all of it. If you're going up there to be for a month where you've got Champlain, St. Lawrence, then it makes sense. But for next year, I just so much craziness with COVID and, and schedules and just, just going to hook the truck up to the boat and go. Well, that means more competition for us on finding good rental houses man dang yes yeah you know that's always that you're getting back into the rental house deal where you can't just buy up a campsite you gotta yeah but most guys now all of us know like the good spots at these places we go to all the time oh so, yeah it's in the phone book it's in the directory now yeah yeah you uh, gotta cool. start like sabotaging each other's profiles on airbnb and vrbo <laughs> and try and make them look less desirable they they Hire someone in India to hack there. that. That's a yeah, good move. It's like, yeah, it's early on a Sunday, and you're thinking right there. I like it. I don't add much, but when I do, I try. It's hilarious. Uh, so, dude, when you when you were camping, did you ever run across any interesting people at the campsites or anything? Like, Andy, like, <laughs> I'm sure there there have to be some straight weirdos that are on the road full time at these uh, campsites. There, you get your mix of people. I mean. <laughs> And it, you get your mix of places that you stay at too. I think that's part of it is just like, it was cool to be, I remember after we got married in 18, we went to, um, we went to Sabine river camp. There's hottest I've ever been in my life. And then after that, we had to be in South Dakota in two or three weeks. So we didn't drive back to Alabama. We went to Kansas city and stayed at a theme park. It was kind of like a Six Flags in Kansas City with a giant campground. Went to a Royals game and then went up to the pier, the South Dakota event, and then went to the Badlands over in South Dakota cool. and stayed over there. And it really doesn't um, – camping, that's one thing, it doesn't cost that much money. I mean, you can stay gone and afford to stay, you know, stay gone because it doesn't cost hardly any – the biggest expense is just towing – and in fishing, it's having two rigs. Like, she pulls the truck and boat, and I pull the camper. And so, filling them up with gas and all is yeah not fun. But uh, but staying at campgrounds, you, you see a lot of cool stuff, weird stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we go to it, it's kind of a blur. I mean, Josh knows. I mean, you're like. I mean, you think three years back to an event and all the places you've been across the country driving up interstates between then and now, it's... It is crazy. Yeah, you're right. Miles. Especially him, too, because he's going to Arizona and back. <laughs> he's yeah, going you know, over here to, you know, middle Alabama, but... It's it's a pain drive, driving the extra distance for sure, dude. But I remember being jealous of you, of, of you and Abby, man, because last summer... 
we were sitting there at like a weather delay at Sturgeon Bay and uh, I was getting ready to fly home. We were like, Sturgeon Bay is one of the sickest places in the country to fish, yeah. to hang out. Yeah. And yeah. like, I was getting ready to fly home back to the 110 degree heat. And Mad's like, ah, I think we're going to stay up here for another week or two. You know, like just yeah. go fish, get some, take a walk, get some ice cream, hang out. You know, I was like, man, that sounds like a fun couple weeks, dude. Yeah, the north being up north in the summertime when it's not frozen over, you know, and the fishing is so good because it gets so little pressure at most of those places, is that's when you want to camp. You stay up there for a month, and that's what I'll miss. Because like Sturgeon Bay, it costs what it costs three hundred dollars or something to stay at a campground at Sturgeon Bay for two and a half weeks, three weeks or something. Wow. I mean, so yeah. we're just. That's, that's four grand in VRBOs, dude. Yes. Oh, easy. Yeah. More, yeah, more than that, probably. Yeah, yeah. You're talking a few hundred bucks to stay there for multiple weeks and just fish. And that's that, that's one of the perks of fishing for a living is, like, we go and we're at these events, but then you got time off between events. And if you don't have, you know, if it sets up where you have your family with you or you don't have kids, like Abby and I, it really is cool we get to stay at, that's something that I definitely will miss. And we'll probably camp again. You know, I don't know. We still have the dually. I got to do something to buy a camper or get rid of it. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it is fun going to those, you know, and hanging out. Like Champlain, St. Lawrence. Uh, yeah, sick places. Cool places. Yeah, awesome. That's cool. Uh, okay, well, hey, man, we've already had you for uh, close to 45 minutes, and I told you it would be 30. So, uh uh, are you going to go down to Okeechobee and, uh, and fish the Big Five? I'm not. I wish – I really wanted to. I really, really wanted to fish the FLW side. Same here. Look at the schedule. Like, when it gets farther along in the year, it, it just didn't make sense. Like, the, the driving and, and uh, I just – it's hard for me to commit. I'm I'm bad about commitment usually. Like I don't like to have a deadline. You got to decide. You got to commit, and then I just freak out and don't make a decision. But yeah, if the schedule lined up a little bit better, I would definitely do it. But I wish they had like three events before our first event or something. Just spread it I'm out. Really, when I watch Okeechobee. I'm going to be jealous, like, that I'm not down there. And they come to Smith Lake, too. Uh, but yeah. in, like, May, I would be driving back-to-back -back weeks from South Carolina to Texas to Alabama, up north, back to, <laughs> to, to South Carolina. And that's, like, five, six weeks in a row. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that and pay, like, all that money to sign up. I can't do it. That goes either really well or really bad. Like if you're <laughs> yeah. if you're fishing really well and have all the the momentum and confidence, you could like clean house. But I've had it go the other way before. I remember having four in a row. It was my rookie year, but I was I, I was like, this is gonna be really good or really bad. And I ended up sucking in all four. And I was like, well, that was that nice. Was I just spent thirty grand. Yeah, and, yeah. and completely yeah. Uh, yeah. destroyed myself in points for the year. All we do, we're high stakes gamblers. That's all we are. We we got we went from the hundred dollar blackjack table to like the high stakes Texas Hold'em, and that's that's what we do. We just throw money in a pot. Oh, you want to pay five grand to go over here and fish against each other, see what we catch? Yeah, let's do it. You know, I guess so. Yeah. That's why. And Matt's one of the biggest degenerates of all, dude, because you're like when you're at, you're at home, dude, you fish like every single wildcat tournament you possibly can get your hands on. And I'm the same way, man. But like this dude is fishing a tournament every week. Well, I just uh, it's when I fish with Wiggins or my brothers, it's just fun. I mean, like when you go out a lot of times, like the traveling gets old. But when you go out with a buddy fishing, it's a lot of people are like, what do you do for fun? Like you know, most of us, I mean, you're probably just like me. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of hobbies other than like yeah. fishing is fun going to different places, fishing with buddies. Um, it's totally different than fishing tournaments at Sturgeon Bay against each other, you know, and it, and so, yeah, it's, it's fun, but I, you know, I do a little bit of other stuff too. So you don't get just burnt out because you can, I mean, anything you do every day, all year round you're going to get burnt out I don't no matter care. what it is yeah no matter what it is so um there's a line there but it's yeah i'm lucky i get to live in a place where i'm not snowed in like those guys in canada or josh douglas up in minnesota no how bad do you feel for me. them right now huh yeah <laughs> i don't know 
I couldn't do it. No way. There's no way. Like ice over everything. Like, no, can't. I've never, you know, Gunnersville is like iced over to some pockets before a little bit, but I've never had to like take four months off. That's, I can't do it. You've got a supportive audience here because I think it's like 45 degrees right now and we would all tell you we're pretty cold. So yeah. Stay yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys always joke when I get like snow flurry over here. Um, <laughs> no, no iced over lakes where I'm at. That's good. Well, hey, dude, uh, we'll let you roll. Before you go, uh, you mentioned Wiggins. Do you have a funny story about Wiggins? We have to have him on the podcast. He's one of the funniest dudes he is a on funny. the earth. He is so he is, funny. He is a movie quote guy. Like, if you think of Step Brothers or any movie, like, dumb, just old school funny movie we listened to, like, in college, that would be uh, – he knows every line to every His wheelhouse. Line. So you can just like throw in random, like have them written down random lines and he would know the response to make to that. Um, it's always a crank funny story on Wiggins. I think it was like kindergarten, third grade or something. He got a crankbait hung in his backpack pants or something. And in school, in school. And so the, his story is something about like all the, Teacher had a crankbait hung on me, so the teacher said, we're just going to call you crankbait, and it stuck. So his nickname has been crankbait. Like, in high school, they wow. called him crankbait. Like his, <laughs> name was, his name is crankbait. So, but he always throws a jig head. So, like, as a joke, <laughs> like in my phone, his name is – I just make it something long. And his name is – Jesse Crankbait Jighead Natural Wiggins. That's nice. beautiful. But yeah, so so ask him like how he got his nickname Crankbait. And but literally, like if you ask some random person you graduated with in his Addison High School class of like 40 or 20 or whatever, they would be like, Oh yeah, crank, yeah. And so he just called him crank too for sure. But he is everything about he, that's great. But he uh yeah, he's just you won't meet a nicer guy than Jesse. It comes from like humble beginnings and he loves fishing. Like before he even had, you know, started to make it professionally, it would be 14 degrees and he would be launching his boat on Smith fired up to go catch him. And he's one of those guys that just, he just love, loves fishing. And so he's just a good dude, but ask him about how you guys nickname. That's, a good story. that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. He's We've got to get him on, but I'm going to ask him next time I see him. Thank you, dude, for the story. That's great. Yeah. I have more, but I'll, I'll, I'll remember him. I'll set you. That's cool. I think well, nowadays yeah, if an elementary school student showed up with a crankbait full of treble hooks, that'd probably instigate a lockdown. I think we've gone <laughs> yeah. in the wrong oh, yeah. direction. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. yeah. Addison, <laughs> Alabama. We're going to call you crankbait. Yeah. There's like three other kids that are probably like, Oh, is it a square bill? Hey, Craig, come over here, man. Somebody, that, like a classmate that never fished before in their life, they just call him crankbait. Like, they don't even know what a crankbait even is. They call him crankbait. What, talk about sticking. Yeah, that's great. Word. Well, hey, do you guys have anything else for Matt before we let him go? Not really, other than uh, good luck this upcoming season and um, go get him, man. This Thank is you. always my ceremonial question for you, dude. Tell us about Josh. Let's let's. You got anything dirty on Josh? What does Josh do? Everybody wants to know Bertrand. There's I know, nothing. right? Give it to us. You got something, man? Bertrand. Uh, I don't like like Lucas. Like stays with Bertrand a lot at events. Like I've stayed with Bertrand a little bit, but he goes to events and then we go or we don't have a lot of time to hang out. He didn't live anywhere close to me. So yeah, like, yeah. Get, we're just, not going to get a lot of dirt on Josh. Yeah, dude, event. he paid you off. I ran into this with every one of our guests. I, he gets he, to you before we do. Nick's trying yeah. to get it, man. Elon well, had already, a couple silly stories, but, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know. That's Luke good. That's good. Matt was, that. Matt was at the house where I got it. Uh, the fire ant bites on my leg. And I was like passing out in the uh, truck on the way to the meeting at Chickamauga. Matt was at that house. Remember that oh, house yeah. in Chickamauga? With us? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got bitten up by fire ants, dude. My leg swelled up. It looked like my ankle was turned into a cankle, dude. I was like uh, ready to pass out in the back of the truck. I was hallucinating driving to the tournament meeting. Oh, dude. Not driving. I was sitting in the... I about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're like plugging your professional event ever. Before I even finished the classic, I got to sign up for Bass Fest at Chick. I stayed with Perch, Bertrand, and Lucas. And then I'm in my old 07Z20 and my throttle, my uh, gear shifter throttle cable snaps. So all I can do is put my boat into gear the last day and a half of practice, but I can't mash the throttle at all. <laughs> Bertrand's like passing out. You got Perch, the first time I've ever been around Perch, super quiet but nice. And then Lucas, who's always a jokester. That's a that's a crew right there. Yeah, that's how they the bathroom in that house, I think I talked about it on the podcast before, but the bathroom didn't have a closing door. It had a, uh, it was like a shower curtain. It was <laughs> oh, yeah. right next to the kitchen. So, dude, you'd be like having breakfast and like everyone's taking Just their turns doing their curtain. morning business behind the curtain, man. It was, it was a, quite the place. <laughs> that sounds like a five-star wooden deck that goes all the way around it. There was like a wooden porch, like square all, yep. all around the house. But Yeah. Right on, dude. Uh, can't wait to uh, see you all this season, dude. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good year, uh, hopefully, for uh, for all of us. And uh, yeah. thanks for t- taking the time today, man. It, uh, this was an Absolutely. awesome interview. I think the listeners will like it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. All right, man. Talk see to you ya. soon. See ya. See ya. Thanks again for listening to the show, guys. Thanks to Matt for coming on, and uh, we really enjoyed talking to him. Hope you all have a great week. Hopefully you get on the water, do some fishing, and we will be back at you next Monday. See you all.